today on Media Download. From Montclair State University and WMSC-FM, the latest on technology. Digital privacy is a concern. Streaming is king. It's trending now. And media issues. Let's start with the presidential campaign. The frontrunner is firmly in the lead in every national poll. What's the press's responsibility? I will not give him the credit he probably sought prior to this horrific and cowardly act. And top business headline news. It's online streaming versus Hollywood. Curated by your host, Meryl Brown. Hello and welcome to Media Download. I'm Mike Stringham, Director of Promotions here at WMSC, in for Merrill Brown. Today we talk about the importance of college radio and tackle a question we have heard in the past quite often. Is college radio dying? This is the basis of a question posed by an author of an article on Pitchfork Magazine released last week where he asks, does college radio even matter anymore? I'm joined by Dr. Rob Quick, founder of the College Radio Foundation and College Radio Day, who was interviewed and quoted in the same article. Quick is a tenured associate professor of communication at William Patterson University, where he also serves as general manager of WPSC 88.7 FM in Wayne, New Jersey. Rob, it's good to have you here. Thank you very much for having me on. So we're going to talk a second about Oxford University Radio Revolution podcast, which is airing tonight, and it's the 20th anniversary of the first student-run college radio station in the UK. Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Today is the 20th anniversary to the day of the, of the launching of the first FM student radio station in the history of the UK. And I actually was the first student on the air, uh, along with a friend of mine called Damien Radcliffe, who's now a professor at Oregon State uh, in communication. And it was 20 years ago that we did something that, well, at the time, they said could not be done. That We were told that there's no way that the, the British government was going to entrust a bunch of rowdy students with an FM license. But we refused to take no for an answer, and we managed to put together a winning um, license bid, and eventually we, we launched uh, uh, Valentine's Day 1997. It's a great fan, fanfare. We call ourselves, we were in Oxford, and we called ourselves Oxygen Radio, and I remember the launch slogan was, to get into the hearts and minds of Oxford students, you need oxygen, which was brilliant. I think it was brilliant. It was a huge success, and I remember looking back now, I mean, that was um, pivotal in where I am today in sort of the, the trajectory of my life and the story of my career that we did something, we created radio history and I remember the two founders were called Nick and Phil and they ended up going to Buckingham Palace to meet the Queen to be recognised for uh, creating radio history. So I, I, was, I was very involved in, yes, the podcast comes out, the first episode comes out today, it's going to be on Facebook, I'm finishing up right now, right down to the deadline to get it done, but uh, it was 20 years ago today and I have very fond memories of that. That is incredible, and I think that's definitely a success that you're going to carry on for the rest of your life and your career, of course. Rob, you invited me this past summer to be a part of the task force team at College Radio Day, so we have had some great planning Skype sessions in which one thing is beyond clear to us. You love college radio, and your enthusiasm is contagious. Why do you think we keep hearing that college radio isn't relevant anymore? You know, the internet came along, and then you have uh, all these different um, services, streaming services that you can access music and you can discover artists uh, very, very easily now. And College Radio used to have that role, of course. Uh, it used to be College Radio broke a lot of artists and it would be the place that you'd turn to if you wanted to find out who was going to be big next. I still think we have a role to play. I still think College Radio is a tastemaker. I think what you've seen is fragmentation of audience. And so a lot of people uh, would consider the you know, radio period as being uh, perhaps an irrelevant medium, but that's simply not true. 
um, because radio, you know, commercial radio is still absolutely massive in this country. You know, millions of people tune in every single week. It's very easy to sort of say, well, college radio has got these small licenses, no one really listens, no one really cares. But to dismiss college radio like that would be to sort of miss the point massively. And the thing about college radio is that, um, number one, it's still very local radio. It, it's all about the community. And um, local radio supports, um, sorry, college radio supports the local music scene, it supports events and the people in um, the local community. And college radio is all about giving a voice to people who would never get a voice, never get time or exposure or programming devoted to them if they were on commercial radio. So college radio is about representing not just the campus, not just the students and what they're into and what's important to them, but also the community surrounding the campus and the local music scene and the people who, again, can't get on the, on the air anywhere else. So I think people are always saying, well, college radio is dead, and, and there have been a few challenges, absolutely. I'm sure we know about that, and the Pitchfork article talked a lot about that. Um, but college radio is still a very, very important medium. If it were to disappear, right, if it were to just simply vanish, it would be a huge loss. And you might say, well, hang on, it's not pivotal to life as we know it. Of course it isn't pivotal to life as we know it. But at the same time, like fine arts or, or opera, it's not for everyone. But if that were to disappear, it would be a loss, a cultural loss. And college radio plays its part on outside of the mainstream. It's always meant to be outside of the mainstream. It's meant to be on the periphery, on the margins, pushing things, playing things that, and programming, producing programming that no one else will do. Someone's got to do that. Someone's got to push the boundary. Someone's got to give people a break and a chance. And that is college radio. And we occupy a very important space and have a very important role in pushing the boundary and being a training ground for people who want to work in the industry professionally. Many people who work in commercial radio or television started out in college radio. So it's still a very, very important place. Sometimes the first stepping stone to a life in the professional media. Um, so it's, I still think, I'm also going to say this, I think it's deeply, deeply relevant and very, very important um, because of the fact it is its own unique thing, you know? I completely agree, especially on the topic of breaking and playing local music, because these bands are usually do-it-yourself or basement bands who don't have exposure and can't be signed to labels because they don't conform to a certain sound. And uh, right. definitely at our station and yours as well at WPSC, do that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the big event we do every spring semester, and it's coming up April this year, uh, for us is called the Bravathon, and that is 15 artists, 15 hours, 15 artists. They come in on the air, they pl play one after the other, they get an hour each, and they, we do an interview there, and we collaborate with the on-campus TV station, WPTV. So it's on the air, uh, on the radio, it's streaming online, and, of course, it's on television as well on campus. And it's a real collaboration, it's a real effort to celebrate and to bring to people's attention local artists now you might say well how you know how useful is that i mean how important is that sure a lot of these artists you know they're just doing it because it's fun to be in a band and why not and the act of creativity is in itself worthwhile even if it doesn't lead to a record deal but it can have a big difference now i'm not claiming credit for their success but the very first year we did bravathon there was a band called wesley jeremiah who shortly after they played our bravathon changed their name to you might have heard of them the lumineers and the Lumineers played our first Bravathon, basically. And I remember they came in, and we all were blown away, thinking these guys are brilliant. And Jeremiah Freights, the uh, piano player and the drummer of the Lumineers, went to William Patterson, who's a student. So, you know, I, I, I'm always very proud of the fact that WPSC, that college radio, had a small part to play in the Lumineers in terms of we gave them exposure and we helped them on their way. We were part of that story. And if you look back at many, many famous bands and stuff, replacements, REM, even, you know, Nirvana and other bands like that, 
um, Red Hot Chili Peppers and The Smiths and New Order and a lot of bands um, got attraction first with college radio. And, you know, these, these local artists, they don't have to be, um, you know, massively successful in, in order to be valued and in order to be producing music that is, is important in its own right. So that's sort of how I feel about it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, for College Radio Day, we also had 16 bands in, and they were all local and unsigned um, because we really wanted to bring light to their to their you know their music and it's special that they continue to do it out of love rather than for money and for fame yeah and of course if, if college radio if we don't do this who will i agree completely i, I think you know we, we are obviously vested with a certain um, amount of responsibility to serve the public interest so i think that when we produce programming and when we um um you know get music on there we, we are serving the local community because there's no other outlet film in that respect so it, it's a sort of, I, I think it's part of the mission of College Radio is to expose the audience who listen to it to new ideas, to great content, uh, and to great music as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Pitchfork article that you're featured in seems to focus a lot on the justification that College Radio is for College Radio itself, not for the listeners and barely for the labels. What's your take on that? Um, okay, so, so my feeling is that College Radio is... Um, yeah, it's an important, it is definitely an important training ground, and it plays its role, it can play its role academically, of course. Um, at William Patterson, we incorporate the station into the curriculum, so I teach radio, and, and what students do in the classroom is, is used, can be played on the air, they can produce content, they can do intern internships at the station, um, and get credit for being on the air and, and for being members of the management. Um, college radio, it must be understood on a fundamental level. College radio is not a main thing. It, it was never designed to be mainstream. And the thing about college radio, if you look at distinguishing, distinguishing characteristics of uh, college radio, is the fact that it can be kind of scruffy, it can be kind of chaotic, it can be less than polished and less than sort of professional sounding. And a lot of people knock college radio for that. Oh, a lot of dead air, a lot of... And they're missing the point spectacularly because that, I think, is the unique charm of college radio. College radio is as authentic as it gets. So college radio is never was never meant to have a massive audience, really. I mean, it would be nice if it does get a massive, but it's not designed because the watches that were given, the, the station wattage, watches that were given for transmitters are, are puny compared to the 50,000 watts you find in New York City, for example. So it's not, we're not allowed to compete on an equal basis. I always thought that if there was a station that had the, the same watches, you know, what they have in commercial radio in New York City, how would that fare? And I think WFMU might be the, the, the best comparison to that. that. They've done really well. They've flourished and they, um, they've they found an audience because, I mean, a former college radio station, of course, they produce programming and they have a free-form format that is very bold and innovative, and I think there's an appetite for that. So college radio, of course, it's never going to have a massive audience, but it still has a very important role to play. So I don't think it's, you know, it's only people involved in college radio appreciate it. I think that the best college radio stations out there are serving the needs of the students and the, and the local community, and they're providing quite an important service in that way. So I think a college radio station could be in trouble when they lose track of what their mission is and who they serve. That's when a station can be in trouble when an administration can say, hey, you don't really have any role, you're not really important, so we're just going to sell you off. What got you to love radio as a young person in the UK? Well, I grew up in Cambridge, England, and uh, I, um, I always liked listening to radio, listening to BBC, and I think uh, for me, I was always sent, you know, go to bed now, it's time for you to go to bed, and I had a little radio as a kid, and I 
would hide in my bedroom and in, in the darkness listening to this radio and just be transported by the fact that I was listening to some broadcasting and then they uh, launched a radio station nearby and I listened to them all to that live one night and I always thought it'd be really cool. A lot of mystique, a lot of like, um, I thought it was really cool, you know, being, being, a, you know, being on there, being a radio DJ sounded really uh, the ultimate gig. And also the fact that, um, I don't know, there's, there's something like, you know, very sort of rock and roll about radio and the music and the fact that you try and imagine what a DJ is like. You don't know them personally, but you can, if you listen to a DJ long enough, you can sort of feel as if you know them and get to know their tastes and stuff like that. So I was into that, but they, they don't have college radio in England, or not before I got to Oxford. Um, the only way to get involved in radio, and this is, you probably don't know this, but uh, it's a well-known established thing. They didn't have college radio back then. They had hospital radio. And hospital radio was... Um, you know, closed-circuit in-house radio stations where um, they're played on the wards and, and to the patients in the beds. And it's a bit grim, um, to say the least. I mean, I was involved in hospital radio first, and in order to get a shift, you had to volunteer. So I would literally go from bed to bed um, taking requests from patients for songs um, that they could then hear over the little speaker in, in, the, in the room or over the, the headphones that they had by the bed. It, you know, we had an audience of 10 people, probably, um, but it was tremendously exciting doing it. I thought it was like, um, I thought it was rock and roll. I thought I'd made it big time. Um, and, until you have like some um, sort of grumpy old man yell at you to, um, you know, shut up and, you know, stop disturbing his sleep. So I started in hospital radio and went from there, really. So, you know, my, my love of radio has always been there. I still think it's the most intimate medium there is. I still think it's, um, it, it allows you, it affords you the luxury of being able to use your imagination to envisage, to imagine, use your brain to picture what things are really like. And it sometimes paints uh, and allows a better picture than the very sort of didactic medium of film or TV, which I'm not knocking because I love them as much as anyone. But radio has always been about being one-on-one -on -one with the person you're listening to, being able to sort of empathize and relate and having that certain degree of intimacy because it's just you and the person on the other end. We just want to thank you for being here, and uh, we're really looking forward here at WMSC to collaborating with you and WPSC for Vinylthon April 22nd, which is a whole day of vinyl only throughout the airwaves for certain colleges, especially ours and yours. Are you doing the whole 24 hours then? Yes, we are really excited for it. We're hoping we can cap off who gets how many hours because some people were not enough last uh, year, so uh, we're yeah. going to try for 24 hours for sure. Well, that's the other thing, of course, Record Store Day is enormously successful as a commercial venture. We are, we're about raising money and raising the profile and awareness of culture and getting people to tune in. Final Fun is a good fit with Record Store Day, and they've endorsed the idea um, that on that day, as many stations as possible throughout America play vinyl only, because you know what? That is a great format, and um, people have such a, it's a very sort of visceral passion for vinyl, and, and when you put it on, it's people connect with the music in a way that they don't when you just put a CD on. I mean, it's kind of hard to articulate and, ex and, and explain. But at the same time, it's also kind of necessarily physical. It's exhausting. When you do a radio show that's on vinyl, you're well and truly knackered at the end of it. You're sweating as you race to get the needle down in the exact same spot to, to change and put the next record on because it happens so quick. So there's something about it that, that reminds you that this used to be like a real physical activity and that vinyl has a warmth to it that I think is um, so endearing and so charming. And um, I've got massively back into vinyl. I have to speak to my wife about how it's taken over everything and how downstairs in the front room where I have my record player 
Uh, I've got hundreds of these LPs now just encroaching upon the living space of the entire family. So, uh, you know, vinyl fun is a fun activity, a fun event, and um, I think it's great. It's good. And again, it's it's something that everyone can participate in. And if you don't have a record player yourself, just tune in and hear the the, uh, records that, that you are playing and everyone else is playing. For those of you who love college radio as much as we and Rob do, we encourage you to look forward out for his podcast being released tonight in the celebration of the 20th anniversary of the first student-run station in the UK. It's the Oxford Radio Revolution, the rise and fall of Oxford Student Radio. You can find that at SoundCloud. We thank you for being on our show today, Rob. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day and editing this incredible feat you have accomplished. Thank you very much for your time and uh, appreciate your interest in college radio. Thanks, Rob. Take care. If you would like more information about this episode of Media Download, you can email us at gm at wmseradio.com or call us at 973-655-3135. I'm Mike Stringham. Thanks for listening.